We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way. And I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. Today is the first day of impending global doom. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you today on this this historic day of of being on the precipice? Uh, healthy and alive. Um, and honestly, it just seems like, uh, you know, another Tuesday. Uh, now, I know it's not Tuesday, but, you know. Actually, I think it's, is it Wednesday? You get what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is Wednesday. It is, At least at the time Wednesday. of recording. Yeah. It is Wednesday. Yes, this yeah. will be out on Thursday. But, yeah, um, apparently, and I, I saw this morning because of the, you know, the time difference. I, I saw this morning as I was having my coffee and, and I was uh, getting my day started. I saw I started seeing more videos of the, the conference at uh, the World Economic Forum coming out. And I saw these <laughs> these just these fear mongering uh, hyperbolic buffoons up on the stage. I, I want to say this looks like a high-tech carnival. <laughs> this, this looks like a circus is what it looks like. It, it looks like something out of um, out, out of like the Hunger Games is what it looks like. It, it's like they're, they're trying to emulate that, but they're just not very good at it. That's what it seems like. It, it seems like they, they've got just these bad actors up there that just cannot pull this stuff off. Uh, but as I was sitting there enjoying my coffee this morning, I see this video come out of these these two idiots up on a stage screaming it literally literally screaming about how the human race is about to go extinct. And we're all going to die unless we turn over all control of everything <laughs> to them. I'm sorry. Who asked for you people? Anybody? Did, did anybody ask for you? Did any person in any country have before them? An opportunity to say, hey, you know, we should get all of the, the corporate leaders, we should get all of the government heads of state, we should get all the cabinet members, we should get all the finance heads and, and everything, we should get them all together in one place on the planet, and we should have them fix everything. Did anybody ever get that presented before them, as in like in an actual, let's decide this, and we'll take the necessary steps in order to do this, because you, the people, are asking for it. Did anybody ask for that? I don't think so. This is exactly why we don't need it, nor do we want it. We have a doomsday planetary and justice crisis. How many how many more crises can we get? I, I understand that Klaus was talking about in his speech that, you know, we have a, a, a multi-crises and, and we've got a, what's the other term I heard? I heard polycrises out of one of these morons. Now it's, we've gone from that 
to everything that we've had under like the COVID stuff and the lockdowns and the supply chains and the economic stuff and the, and the food supply stuff. We've had all of that. That we've, we've gone from that extreme to a climate catastrophe to a doomsday planetary injustice crisis. It's like they're, they're literally, they're one-upping themselves each day, it seems like. So what was it? Do, do, we, need to, we, do we need to worry about restoring trust in a fractured world, as, as Klaus Schwab talks about? At the same time, we're saying that the entire human race is going to go extinct <laughs> because, you know what? There are many areas of this planet that are just uninhabitable already because of climate change. They're uninhabitable. Well, that depends on your definition of uninhabitable. Bruce and I were discussing this in prep. What's uninhabitable? To me, uninhabitable means you literally can't breathe the air or drink the water without succumbing to those elements. But then Bruce brought up an, an interesting point to counter that and said places that are basically just, I don't want to say they're uninhabitable, but they're inhospitable to us as, as people, as in like the elements will kill you. For example, if you live at the North Pole, if you live, well, above the Arctic Circle. I mean, there are a few people that do live above the Arctic Circle, but let's be honest, um, if you spend some time out there, I mean, my God, did you see that, uh, that polar vortex that's coming down from the Arctic that's hitting Siberia right now? Minus 80 degrees. That's cold. That is cold. You will die in that. There is no doubt about that. Yeah. In those in those climates, you're not able to grow your own food and whatnot. Now, keep in mind that with current technology, basically anywhere on the planet is a hospital. Like we can live anywhere on the planet because of current technology. It may take a little bit of effort to build a, a habitat or something, you know, that we uh, have a controlled environment to grow our own food and live in safely. But uh, we can live anywhere on the planet, more or less. And I, I'm including the in the ocean. We're off, off the planet. planet. That, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Especially with some of this new tech that we're discovering, uh, it'll make it even even well, if if the what 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 is it? The uh, uh, the the nuclear diamond batteries, if those one if if that material, the nuclear diamond, if that is something we can manufacture and produce, theoretically, we could live on the uh, the well, Jupiter's moon, Titan. We could technically move uh, a colony there and live there. Currently, without that te technology, it's impossible because, well, it's not impossible. It's just you would have to live like 30 feet below the, the surface because Jupiter irradiates a lot of radiation. Jupiter is more or less like a, a failed star. It's a brown dwarf. I mean, I know it's a gas planet, but it's, it's essentially, if it would have had more mass to it, it would have turned into a star. So... That that gives you an idea that it's it's irradiating a lot of radiation, and you can't live on Titan without being underground or having that radiation shielding. It's interesting, Bruce. I mean, the the um, the crazy uh, loons that wear the tinfoil hats they would disagree with you by saying that we already have people living there. Oh, on Titan? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm sure people live on Titan. Uh, that that must be where we got the idea of Cloud City um, and Star right. Wars, right? Because we've right. had people you got living. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And, yeah. and in, in video games, you can actually go there, I've heard. Yeah. Actually, there, there was a couple that I can think of right off the bat that you go to. Uh huh. So Titan. right there, that proves it. That yeah. proves it that people have been yeah. there because, I mean, how else would they know how to create that unless they've actually been there, right? Sure. 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 <laughs> Sure. Yeah. If <laughs> you if know, you want to if you want to say people have been there and if you want to say we've we've sent a probe there and that's I mean technically humans have been there in that sense okay I I'll, I'll go with that because then that means we've been to Venus we've been, been to Venus. Mercury we've been yeah, to yeah. Mars yeah so if if that's the case then okay 
Uh, all right. All right. So and that means we're also outside of our solar system as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because of the Voyager. Yeah, the Voyager uh, uh, probes. One and two, I think, are both now outside of the uh, our solar system. Uh, yeah, but they're in interstellar space, technically. Yeah. Get, getting back to this this hyperbolic uh, craziness, because I want to I want to actually I want to talk about that. Let, actually, you know what? Let's talk about that first. You sent me a message last night after we had closed up. And you said that you went back and you watched, you rewatched the video from the World Economic Forum from 2018, specifically, specifically referencing extraterrestrials, as in what they were talking about in that video. Yeah, so this was the, um, this is kind of the original World Economic Forum video that was, this is the one where they say you'll own nothing and be happy and like the first uh, little frame or the first beginning part where it says you'll own nothing and be happy, it, it shows a dude and he's smiling and all happy and stuff. Anyway, it goes on to talk about we'll be traveling in space safely, uh, aliens will be an important thing and, and like, so the, the reason I was pointing those things out, all the other components we're seeing, like the... Uh, you own nothing and be happy. And like, we're seeing how they're trying to enact that. Um, we're seeing how they were trying to um, basically change our diets uh, because, you know, climate change and all of that. Right. So we were seeing all other aspects of that. And then I rewatched it and I was like, wait a minute. They also talk about aliens and space travel. And I'm kind of like, We've already had space travel for a while, but they're they're meaning like traveling to like Mars and and creating colonies in other locations, and then uh, also actively looking for aliens. And I thought it was interesting that during the pandemic, the government released a bunch of information about aliens and tried to, uh, I mean, you could argue, try to fulfill that part of the agenda to to get people interested in aliens and try to gin up that but because there was so much else going on it didn't take root it, it just kind of flew under the radar um now there's still rumblings and still talks of it because there's people from the navy and and whatnot that are talking about uh sightings that they've had that are unexplainable uh i think uh pentagon has said there's a hundred and like 90 sightings they can't explain you know there there's there's a lot of um Kind it's of the DOD talk we're talking hovering about. around that. Yeah, yeah this, this is the, is the DOD, DOD we're us. talking about. This is the same DOD that funded the Wuhan lab. It, exactly. It sounded like uh, this is exactly what the the government's in line with the World Economic Forum. They're they're trying to uh, you know complete all aspects of it. I don't think that it it took because I think that it's just so it's so nonsensical. I think just it, just on the surface because of who's pushing it. They want that narrative to be out there. That's why you're seeing it. That's the whole point of it. Now, me as a as a, a, a you know, just in my own personal beliefs, I'll, I'll just go this way with it because people have asked me that stuff before. Oh, do you believe in aliens? And I'm like, no, I don't. You know, the whole gray skinned, you know, whatever thing. No, that's ridiculous. I don't believe in that. Now, the scientific side of me says that I find it impossible. I, I find it very uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? I, I guess the the odds of it of us being the only sentient life in the universe. I find that very unlikely. I personally I don't believe that we are uh, alone in in the universe. That's that's my, what I'm saying is I believe there is sentient life in other places that we just have not discovered yet because we don't have the means. I agree, but it, it's a little it's a little. Um, if you're saying humans, um, yeah, I mean humanoid some like other life forms. Yes, some yes. other so. 
Yeah, if, if I guess maybe I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say sentient life because that's just like that kind of generalizes it. So, I mean, I'm talking no, I'm, like I, I agree. Sentient life. I think there is sentient life out there and there's. At oh, least, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Two other species that that we know of right off the bat that are out there. Is this a lizard people thing you're going to go with again? No, but no, 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 no. This is religion. Uh, oh, I, I got you. Yeah, OK. I got And you. the angels. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, we're so, going to get into yeah, we're yeah, going to get into aliens. some religion today because they just so happen to be talking about religion down there. But I, I don't want to drift. And, and again, you know, we we can talk about that again. I'm sure because that's that's a lot of fun to talk about. And we do have our conspiracy corner that we're looking at uh, putting together, and that I'm sure will come up at at least at some point. And the whole point of that is it's going to be a podcast where we're just going to take a step back and we're going to pick either our favorite conspiracy theory or the listeners, you're going to send one in and we're going to look into it. We're going to give it a legitimate shot and we're going to discuss it. And it's just for fun because I who lo- who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory, right? I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I deal in fact and what I can prove and that's it. Uh, and that's what we do here. We, we don't deal in, in crazy nonsensical stuff. But I say that we don't deal in crazy nonsensical stuff and I'm about to play this, but go ahead. Uh, just real quick, I wanted, for the listener's sake, the, the video I was referencing, um, the title of it is Eight Predictions for the World in 2030. That's where the, the stuff I was talking about came from. A lot of, it's been taken down since by the World Economic Forum, I believe. Really? But there's a lot of people that are reposting it on YouTube, and many of the titles are The Great Reset, You'll Own Nothing and Be Happy About It. Or, or you know, be happy. There's something to, to that effect. If you if you look up on uh you know your, your favorite search engine and just look up the eight predictions for the world in 2030, it it should lead you uh, to one of those videos. And in there, it talks about space travel and and um you know aliens and all that kind of stuff. So I just found it interesting. Anyway, well that's okay because we're gonna need those aliens, and and you're gonna hear John Kerry talk about how it is extraterrestrial to address these issues. He actually says that. Those are his exact words. But before we do that, let's look at our impending doom, shall we? Because this can't be understated. Dear friends, scientifically, this is not a climate crisis. We are now facing something deeper. Mass extinction, air pollution, undermining ecosystem functions, really putting humanity's future at risk. This is a planetary crisis. This is a safety crisis, but above all, it is also a justice crisis. Many areas in the world are uninhabitable. This uninhabitable zone is increasing. If we continue with our greenhouse gas emissions, then by 2070, as many as 3 billion people will live in uninhabitable zones. I wonder, does that possibly play along with 90% of the United, the, the land mass of the United States of what we know it is uh, of it today is, do, does that play along with 90% of the country will be uninhabitable as in off limits per arbitrary decision, little or no human use, as was stated in Agenda 21 from the United Nations. Now, if you're talking about uninhabitable be, in that sense, it plays. I'd be, it'd be difficult to do at the same time, because if you... Uh, they're saying three billion people will be uh, misplaced or displaced. Excuse me. Well, um, now let's look at that. Let's just let's st- let's just start with that. How many people took a COVID jab? Yeah, um, they're at least a billion is what they're estimating, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there you go. You there's shaved that. off just a billion there. You got that. Well, and and then you've got collapse another... because of everything else they've done because of that, you know, economic collapse, but they won't say it's that because now they're saying that 
uh, were being flooded in the West from people that are fleeing uh, collapsing ecosystems. And it's it's ridiculous. These are climate refugees and they can't play that card. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would also throw out there as well some of the other data that we were hearing. It's not just uh, a billion people have been vaccinated. If those billion people were married, it is likely their spouse is now vaccinated as well because of um well it it, it transmits through fluids so um there you go and touch oh. uh, that was the other thing so huh. uh, if they're in physical contact with someone else then uh it, they're likely vaccinated as well conspiracy theorist is what i'm hearing mm. yeah uh for three months at least by the way at least three months 90 days hmm. well that's what mccullough was saying but that's only because that's the, that was the extent of the research that they were able to to put forth. They didn't look any further than that. God only knows. So I suppose we will move right along to our climate czar from America, John Kerry. Don't you feel better as an American? Actually, hell, I can't even say that because as you just heard the, the astute gentleman there on the stage with his, his esteemed colleague that were screaming and yelling at you about your carbon emissions, you should be happy. You should be happy that they have a select group of human beings that are able and willing and just so happy to solve this problem because we cannot. They just so happen to be in the right place at the right time and have all of the experts and, and well, of course, they're going to need some more money, right? They're, they're going to need some more money to do this, but that's okay because they're going to tax you for it. But it just so happens that these people can save the planet. John Kerry's going to tell you how. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and um, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. You see, that's where we are. That's where we are. We're, we've got expert people like this one right here. You see this, Bruce? You see this guy right here? This guy, this expert right here, he's going to save the planet. And it's it's really, it's extraterrestrial. You heard him to sit in a room and talk about it. Yeah, when his uh, offspring was doing um, dirty dealings with the, the Biden family as well, not to mention the kind of dealings that he himself was doing, I'm supposed to trust that individual to save the planet from... Now, uh, it's a complete disaster. But uh, now when we listen to the uh, two individuals at the World Economic Forum talking about how uh, the security issue, climate issue, blah, 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 the mass migration, all that stuff. One of the things I, I think they may have failed to mention it uh, or, or calculate in their models when they're they're predicting the collapse of the um, civilized world. I think what they forgot to mention was. Uh, or or calculate the more carbon you have being emitted into the atmosphere, um, that's going to raise temperatures. Yes, this is um, part of the Earth cycle. But an increase in temperature means an increase in the amount of water that is in the atmosphere. Now that increase is going to cause arid locations to become green, start being um, fertile again. What? So those. Yeah, so those three billion people that are are going to uh, be without land, in fact, they're going to have more land that's available to them. And those locations that they were talking about that uh, were inhospitable, we, we, we can't habitate those, 
Um, actually, no. Uh, in the future, as temperatures rise, more carbon enters the atmosphere, those locations will be fertile again and we'll be able to grow stuff there again. Especially if we, uh, you know, use some of the, the basic techniques that we understand with irrigation, we could already make those locations fertile. But uh, that, that would require a little bit of effort on our part. Uh, and that's, that's too much to ask, apparently, to, to affect actual change instead of this um, dystopian, you know, the, the, the creating the problem and then offering you the solution. It's unbelievable to me what these people leave out in all of their glorious presentations and fear mongering and scaring and everything else. There's one thing, one obvious thing that they leave out coincidentally every single time, even in all of the research papers. I use that term very loosely research, right, because we know how research is done now. They all leave out the one thing that is the biggest driver, actually two things. I, I'm, I shouldn't say one thing, two things that are the biggest drivers on this planet of ecological change and climate change, actual climate change. First and foremost, let's look at the largest emitter of CO2 emissions on this planet, all right? Because they love talking about how much it's you, right? Let's talk about what the largest emitter of CO2 is on this planet that they never mention. And this is a fact. Anybody can go and take your time and look this up. This particular thing, this one thing, produces more CO2 emissions than all of human activity and volcanic eruptions combined. By the way, they never mentioned volcanic eruptions either. I'd just like to throw that one in there. It's always you. That's dying vegetation. They never mentioned that. Why is that? Well, if they were to mention that, well, then we can't have a, a vegan all plant future, can we? Because they're going to be creating more CO2 emissions and adding to that, aren't they? Well, see, that doesn't work. And it just so happens to squash everything else. So we can't mention that. They never mention that. You can tell all your greeny liberal friends about all that, which they're not even liberals. And we can go down that road, too, if you want. The second thing that they never mention, which is the biggest, probably the, the single largest driver of what affects climate on this planet, and that is the sun. Solar activity. They never mention that. Why? Because it's out of their control. If they were to present that, which is a, an actual scientific fact, if they were to present that to you, people would look at them, even the ones that are brainwashed by all this stuff, people would look at them and say, there's nothing you can do about that. So why are you even lecturing us? That's completely out of your control. One of these these bought and paid for scientists, I, I, I quote scientists, I, I remember hearing this 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 complete buffoon say a year, I think it was a year or two ago, he says, look, in order for us to successfully tackle climate change, we need to reconfigure the Earth's orbit around the sun. Th this is how insane these people are. And yet, if you don't agree with it, if you don't believe everything that they're telling you, they're at war against you. You're an anti-climate person, as Al Gore would, would put it. And I just so happen to have several clips of Al Gore to play. And you know what? We're actually we're going to keep these because he really for whatever reason, he really, really doesn't like the head of the World Bank. I'm not sure why. I think Bruce figured out why, but he really doesn't like the head of the World Bank. And, and of course, it's not him. Again, it, it's not him saying it. Here's Al Gore and his take on what you should do to people that are anti-climate. Enough already. Enough. And I, I don't want to get sidetracked onto what needs to happen, but we need to scale up climate finance, but we need desperately to scale down anti-climate finance. 
and we are still subsidizing the burning of fossil fuels globally at a rate 42 times larger than the subsidies for the shift toward renewables and EVs, uh, et cetera. We need new leadership at the World Bank. We need them to uh, scale up the leverage and vastly increase the amounts that are, are committed. And we need to rein in the anti-climate activities of the fossil industry. We need to rein in the anti-climate activities of the fossil fuel industry. Now, here, here's a guy who is literally the head of an oil company, Al Gore, head of Occidental Petroleum. His father was also involved in big tobacco. Him being the pusher, I've never understood him being the pusher of this. He's he's been the 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 pusher of the of the cap and trade thing. That if you go all the way back to the cap and trade deal, he he was the pusher of that the, the carbon tax scheme. And you go back even further than that during the Clinton administration when he was vice president at the time. Who did he meet with to create this whole climate? carbon exchange thing with in the first place, because now you have to buy carbon credits through his company, by the way, that he owns with a guy named Blood, Blood and Gore. You couldn't make it up. You have to buy carbon exchanges and carbon credits through his company on the, the exchanges that he owns. And yet he's running around all over the world being a, 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 a fear porn dealer telling you that you have to cut your carbon emissions. And if you emit too much carbon, you have to pay him for it. Do you know who he met with in order to concoct this scheme to begin with? It actually came out in the United States Congress when they questioned him about it. He met with Ken Lay at Enron. And if anybody remembers the Enron scandal, Bruce is over there scratching his chin, <laughs> nodding his head. Don't you find it just a little bit funny that now he's the guy that's going to be selling you your carbon offsets? When you have him devising the scheme with Ken Lay, who cooked up the energy scheme and, and the, the, you know, ripping people off of, of energy prices to begin with. Now he's going to carry the ball going forward. Yeah, you know, just a little bit coincidental. But see, again, he doesn't like the head of that World Bank. I, I don't know what it is about the head of that World Bank, but man, he doesn't like him. Bruce, do you remember the... Um, Remember the Inflation Reduction Act we had? Yeah. Inflation re I do. Reduction yeah. Act. Yeah. It was, that was to reduce inflation, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's what they told us. That's what they told Well, yeah. Even Bernie Sanders, right? Even Bernie stood up there and said, uh, we're passing an Inflation Reduction Act and it really doesn't reduce any inflation at all. So why are we calling it that? Even, even Bernie said that. Now, far be it for me to agree with Bernie Sanders, but the man wasn't wrong when he said that. No. It, it, in my opinion, it would have made inflation far worse. But And it just so happens that that's exactly what it's going to do because Al Gore is going to tell you what was in it. My friend Yo-Yo Ma playing at the end of this panel. You know, we uh, tend to emphasize the, the bad news, and th there is unfortunately a lot of it. But there's a lot of good news as well, and, and I just want to cover some of it. In my country, we passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is primarily a climate uh, act, $369 billion, which will actually be much larger than that because the heavy lifting is done by tax credits that uh, are very long-term, some of them actually open-ended, uh, and the early investments that have already been triggered by it uh, give a, a great deal of reason, uh, many reasons for b believing it's going to be much larger than so, again, do you think that he's going to be personally benefiting from any of that? Again, that was a question that was posed to him more than 10 years ago in, in Congress when he was hauled in before there or before Congress, before the uh, the subcommittees. And he was asked, 
Uh, Mr. Gore, the plan that you're proposing here is going to cost the American economy millions of jobs that are going to be shipped overseas to China, where he's got investments, I'm sure. Um, is this something that you're personally going to be benefiting from? And he said, well, now, look, is there something wrong with being in business in this country? Is he possibly going to be making any kickbacks from some of those um, uh, those offsets that are in that Inflation Reduction Act? Maybe just a couple, maybe, because you're going to be forced to switch in, into that new, quote, greener economy. He's going to be making a little bit. Hmm, maybe, maybe. It's entirely possible. However, Bruce, we looked at the... Um, we looked at that that legitimate, legitimate protest in Germany at that coal mine. We looked at that, right? Uh, by the way, the Germans, believe me, they're going to mine that coal. It's going to happen. They're going to mine that coal. You can throw Greta Thunberg and everybody else out there. That's fine. But I can tell you it's a wasted effort because the Germans, they're going to mine that coal. They're not tearing down wind farms because they're finding massive coal deposits underneath of them for nothing. They're going to mine that coal. Every last damn bit of it. And you better not doubt that because that's what they're going to do. Photo op, I think, is an understatement. Greta Thunberg gets dragged away two days in a row by German police. And Bruce, we saw the video. What'd you think of that video? What'd, what'd you think of that? Uh, they were they had they had her over there. The police, they were all laughing and smiling and and, mm. um, you know, asking her, hey, are you doing OK? The, the media was there getting the photos and running the cameras. And they had the microphone, the parabolic microphones up there. Look like a legitimate arrest, don't you think? Uh, yeah, it was on par with uh, the re the arrest that AOC had a few months back. It was just a photo op. Is all it you was. Mean, you mean how she wasn't even handcuffed, and she yeah. she had her hands yeah. behind her back like she was handcuffed? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, and and in this case, Greta was not handcuffed. Uh, she was just held by police standing While they took in the location. Photos. While they took the photos. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you see, these people, like Greta Thunberg, she's not the only one. All those other idiots, those brainwashed idiots they've got out there. We've been wondering, who pays for that? Who's responsible for that? Who is responsible for Greta Thunberg being up there? And Bruce, you mentioned it at the at the same time when we were watching that video. You said this this girl, this this poor girl, you feel sorry for. Her. I mean, I I do. I legitimately feel sorry for. Her. This girl, this kid, is going to be traumatized when she finds out that everything that she is doing and, and carrying the water for, all this this agenda and everything, all of this is is just a lie. This kid had problems before, and she's found some kind of uh, salvation being a, a tool for the establishment. Her parents, two failed actors, I think, never amounted to anything, have now pushed their kid into this, and of course they're riding the coattails of the kid. So who pays for this? Who pushes all this? What happened to the, um, the kid that was at, uh, was it the UN? Was it the United Nations where, where she stood up there? She she was talking about how she should be in school and whatever. And then she said, how dare you? Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to that? Well, that's not that kid anymore. And I can tell you that once you have outlived your usefulness to this political establishment, they will kick you to the wayside. Well, and and to that, um, that kid that was a minor at the time that should have been in school. Um, she's 20 now. Is she 20 years old now? She's 20 years old now. Okay. Well, so she's uh, she's approaching her um her end of life uh, cycle in the political world, I would venture to say, because I don't see her being a showpiece at the uh, uh, at these places anymore. She's not a kid. They can't market her yep. as as a kid anymore, you know, because that's what they needed. They needed uh, some kid with um 
you know, uh, with the ability to to portray some kind of an act up there that you're screaming, you're you're being a spokesperson for the younger generation to represent them to to shout at the the feet of these government people to do something to save your world, to save your future, right? Well, she's not that anymore. And she started, well, she's not starting. She has approached adulthood. And I think that they are slowly going to start getting rid of people like that because they've outlived their usefulness. However, you're going to have to train more, right? Who's been training Greta Thunberg? Who's been training the people that follow that? Well, just so happens that old Al let the cat out of the bag in his his rant and rave in what he's about to do. So in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had and we need have had and we need to make some changes. We've heard about divides at this conference between the North and South and the East and West. There's another divide increasingly between those who are old enough to be in positions of power and the young people of this world. Greta Thunberg was just arrested in Germany. I agree with her uh, efforts to stop that uh, coal mine in Germany. Young people around the world are looking at what we're doing. They look at the World Bank and they say, oh, you've got a climate denier in charge of the World Bank. So why are you surprised that the World Bank is completely failing? to do its job. Secretary General says that. Everybody knows the World Bank is failing badly. Now we have the COP process. Okay. What do I say to these young activists that I train around the world when they come to me and they say, are you okay with putting the the CEO of one of the largest oil companies in the world in as the president of the COP? (laughs) Is that really okay? Well, it's not whether he's a nice guy or not or whether he's intelligent. The appearance of a conflict of interest undermines confidence at a time when climate activists around the world, and I'm partly speaking for them right here on this stage, have come to the conclusion that the people in authority are not. All right, that's enough. Don't you think it's a little bit hypocritical, Al, that um, you've got an oil company head in a position of authority that goes against what you're trying to represent? Uh, have you looked in the mirror? Because the last I checked, you're an oil company head. You've been an oil company head all your uh, most of your adult life, and so is your father. Don't you need to be looking at yourself? Is that a little bit of self-examination? Is that a little bit of redirection, re- reprojection? Is, it, is that what I'm seeing here out of out of dear old Al? I think so. And boy, he really he does not like the head of that World Bank. Bruce, when was the last time you heard? of a young person, which he doesn't even actually mention who that is, a young person that he funds and trains around the world, by the way. He let that cat out of the bag. You noticed after he said that he was huffing and puffing for a couple of seconds because he thought, oh, damn, I shouldn't have said that. But he um, he says that the young people are concerned about the head of the World Bank because they're not doing their job. I bet any of these morons that you've got out there with a, with a mask on their face, I bet they don't even know what in the hell the World Bank is let alone who runs it. So my question is, who's pulling his puppet string, telling him to advocate to get rid of the head of the World Bank? And more to the point, why does he hate the head of the World Bank or whoever's behind him? Bruce, why does he hate the head of the World Bank? Well, it just so happens the head of the World Bank right now is a Trump cabinet member. He was the, uh, let me pull it up again here. Pulled up a couple other things since then. Let's see. Where was the guy's name? Yeah, it, here it is. It is currently David Malpass. 
Now, David Malpass was in the Trump campaign. He was also part of the Trump administration. So he was the economic advisor during the campaign. Then he was the undersecretary of the Treasury for International Affairs the Treasury uh, at the Treasury Department. And then he moved to the uh, president of the World Bank after that. He also worked under Reagan and also under George H.W. Bush, uh, both in uh, Treasury uh, capacities. Well, actually, for uh, George H.W. Bush, it was assistant secretary of state. So he's he's been in politics a while uh, and, and has um, some experience with the economic side of things. But I, I kind of imagine he probably has a little bit of a problem with him because Trump. I actually have a question on this gentleman that's the head of the World Bank. And my question is the following. How did he get to be the head of the World Bank with that resume? That is a very interesting question, actually. When you look at his um, education, it's not like he went into any kind of like, it's not like he went to Harvard or any of that. He went to, he uh, got a bachelor's in uh, physics in Colorado, then an MBA at the University of Denver, studied international economics at Georgetown University. It just seems like, um, a, I mean, it just seems like an average you know, yeah. uh, upbringing and going through the university. And I mean, yeah, OK, you went to Georgetown, but I mean, so do tens of thousands of other people a year. So it doesn't seem like he he was one of the uh, the boys at, say, like Harvard, Princeton, Yale or or Stanford or one of these places. It, it doesn't seem like he was, you know, one of the uh, the Harvard business types, if you will. Yeah. I mean, he's a Wall Street guy. He was the chief economist at Bear Stearns. From ninety three to two thousand eight, yeah, but still, which I mean, that, J P Morgan again that could took up, yeah, 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 they they picked that up, but again, that could that could be anybody. I mean, it, yeah. anybody with those with those credentials. I mean, that's it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he's one of the usual types that they would stick in as the head of the World Bank. Is my point. I mean, usually you don't get to be head of the World Bank and just unless you're just an outright, you know, <laughs> like a Christine Lagarde type or or something like that. I mean, going through some of some of his. Uh, uh, past dealings and stuff like uh, the only thing I figure is he's he's just a Wall Street guy unless it's 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 possible did he that he's Fed? did he did he do any work at the Fed or anything uh, in his, in no, his resume not, there? Not no. that I'm seeing. I mean, no, that maybe just... I could see would possibly qualify him. Usually, I mean, these guys will do like a stint or two, especially the American ones, they'll do like a stint or two at the, uh, you know, at some Federal Reserve branch somewhere. You know, they'll be quiet and kept in the back room somewhere. And then they'll just, you know, foist them out there and say, oh, well, here's the head of the World Bank. No, I mean, he founded a firm uh, in, in, Sin in Sinma Global, I guess is how it's pronounced. And he just did analyst uh, analytical stuff for economics and political trends. Um, and then uh, let's see, he he actually ran for Republican nomination for Senate uh, in 2010. So he's he's been a Republican since all of well, all of his political career. It looks like it just doesn't seem like your typical uh, head of the head of the World Bank is all I'm is all I'm saying, which I mean, that could that could just as easily be something that they're playing into it too. somebody that they put up there and say, well, we're just going to put him up there for a couple of years and then we'll just torpedo him. That's why. In February of 2019, President Trump announced uh, Malpass as the nominee for president of the World Bank. Oh, I see. So Trump put him there. So Trump put him there. And it's a stay behind that they can't get rid of. Yeah. And it says Malpass was unanimously approved by the executive board. OK. All right. Well, anyway, you know, Bruce, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. Maybe, maybe, you know, we're, we're looking at this in in terms of 
in terms of corruption, in terms of the good old boys club, in terms of what you should be doing to decrease your carbon footprint. And more than that, what the up and coming generations are actually focused on. Maybe, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. Would you agree that we have we have a spiritual problem? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say we have a spiritual problem. Yeah. We kind of said that off and on over the last couple of years. There's no political solution to a spiritual problem. It just so happens that there's a person that's sitting next to Al Gore on that stage that wholeheartedly agrees with us. Or does she? Pay very close attention to what she says. And also our faith leaders, they know that this crisis is much more than physical and environmental schisms. We have a deeply wounded spirit as a people that is in desperate need of healing and restoration. And we must look to our almighty creator to find our proper place in humanity, our proper place as that one strand. Just to kind of clue the listener in, for those that have not seen the video, this is a um, this looks like a little bit of a um, a halfway disheveled woman, uh, and she's sitting up there on stage with a uh, a cone shaped straw hat with what looks to be uh, an octopus or what could be described as possibly a hydra on it, uh, with a ring of uh, of shiny buttons above that. I think the only thing missing from this and. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Bruce, does this look like possibly just like an old hippie to you? It's very possible. Do we have a name for this woman? Do we know who she Unfortunately, is? Unfortunately, I do not. I, I do apologize. I don't have a name for her. Let's see if uh, see if I can find that real quick. But I, I'm curious because um, the things that she's talking about there are so generic when it comes and, to, and to, to uh, be, what she's saying. Yeah, and to be, and I made this point to you in prep, and to to be down there and amongst all of these uh, these types, you know, the the Klaus Schwabs and the almighty the bad Italian car name Yuval Noah Harari. Here's a guy, Noah Harari. Here's a guy who says that the Bible's fake news. This guy. So if you're going to be a faith leader, in my humble opinion, I don't believe you would be very welcome down there. Not that I'm aware of. I, I don't think so. Given the fact that these people are, are very clear that they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Christ, they don't believe in, well, actually any uh, form of, uh, of religion, whether that be Judaism, whether that be uh, Islam, whether that be Christianity. I don't think it matters because I don't believe that they believe in any of it. I believe that they believe in more demonic entities as opposed to an almighty creator, as she's discussing, or as she's mentioning there. I, I don't believe that she's speaking of a living God when she says that. That's just my opinion. Yeah, what she says can be attributed to any religion that has a creator God. Uh, and, and the things that she's talking about are very, it's very vague. It's not specific to any kind of ideology or religion. Um, well, and you also have to consider what they discuss at the forum to begin with. They talk about how they are going to be the new gods. They're going to now create and engineer life. Uh, but I do have some uh, I do have some breaking news uh, and you'll you'll appreciate this. Uh, this this is breaking now out of uh, I believe it's the uh, the National Post. Uh, Greta Thunberg, of course, after she's released by German authorities, uh, of course, uh, Greta Thunberg is uh, is set to meet with the head of the International Energy Agency in Davos, Switzerland. She's going to be getting a first class flight to uh, to Switzerland to speak to him immediately. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, uh, when it comes to her, I don't think they're actually going to throw her to the wayside just yet because there's so many young people that globbed onto her. 
and and I don't think they want the imagery of someone the um, kids globbed onto. I don't think they want those kids to think, oh, well, if I, I, I join up, they're just going to throw me to the wayside. I, I think they're going to give her the, the red carpet treatment, plush treatment to make it look like that. You know, if you're an activist that stands up for these things, the entire world bows to you and, and, and you know, and to your whim. I think that's more what they want to show the, the, the coming activists. That's possible, yes. But yeah, she's going to meet with him. Do you got any more comments on the uh, the, the spiritual lady uh, who I think the only thing she was missing was a wooden drum to beat up there while she was and maybe a campfire? Well, uh, obviously, being uh, a Christian, I, I having very general terms. Sorry, lady, there's only one true God. So you didn't reference him. So whatever you were saying is pointless to me. It's it's meaningless. You look like a charlatan. Um, I agree. Uh, there, there's, there's problems. Also, I think she mispronounced a word there. Uh, at least my understand. I, I, what word was it? She started there. The, yeah. There was, anyway, I was going to critique that, and I forgot what it was. Now I got to looking at other things to to try to find out who she was, and I, I slipped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it it doesn't really matter because it, you see what you're trying to do there, Bruce. You're trying to you're trying to find out information on on somebody that you want to talk about. You want to have dialogue about, right? That's what you want to do. Mm. And you see, the biggest problem we have, at least in America, the biggest problem we have is we have an open, we have an open press. We have freedom of the press. Isn't that a terrible thing? Mm. Depends on who you ask. Just so happens, I'm going to ask Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia. He's the, he's the filibuster, isn't he? He's the guy that, that does the, the filibustering in the, in the Senate. Isn't that the guy? The guy that the... Yeah, the, sure. The, uh, we'll, we'll go with that Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that because everybody, all the GOP, oh goodness, they loved him. All the Democrats, oh my goodness, what are they going to do about Joe Manchin? Well, what are we going to do with the Joe Manchin problem? Well, um, nothing because he's not working for you. He's not working for me. He's not working for the good people of West Virginia, is he? No, he's not. Why? Because he's on the stage at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland saying this. The problem that we have is the open press system and basically all the platforms. So if you're able to have five platforms, social platforms, that you can basically um, personify the extremes, somebody who is extremely right or extremely left, and it seems like that is the majority speaking. They're not the majority, but they're basically driving everybody to make a decision. What side are you on? Are you on this side or this side? And in America, there's only one side, the American side. It's not the Republican side or Democrat. We should be coming together to solve the problems from a different angle. So you see, the problem is, is that you've got people out there that are speaking autonomously, such as uh, ourselves, who are not bought and paid for by, by anybody. We don't take corporate dollars around here. And so therefore, we don't have to stay away from this issue or that issue. Of course, we have to abide by terms of service. Everyone does. But that's all we abide by. We can talk about whatever we wish. But see, that's a problem. That's a problem for the good senator here. It's a problem because people openly dispute the group that runs the event that he's sitting at. That's the problem. And we should be able to critique that. No, sir, that's not coming from an extreme right or an extreme left. We do agree on the fact that both sides on the extremes don't fly. They don't play in the realm of logic, reason, and common sense. That's why they're on the extremes. I agree that we should have both sides of the aisle coming together and talking. But the problem is, is that neither side wants to have a discussion with people that don't agree with you. I don't want to have a discussion with Democrats in the United States. I don't want to have a discussion with Republicans in the United States. That doesn't put me on the extreme right or the extreme left. That puts me outside of you being extreme. 
you're the ones being extreme by trying to shut everyone else out of your conversation because they don't agree with you. And that makes somebody an extremist? These people really do get twisted around in these institutions. They get trained really well in these places to take the most benign sounding thing and flipping it back on itself and pushing it off onto you. And I'm just tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing it. Bruce, you got anything else? No, not, not off the... I'm, I'm equally tired of listening to these talking heads that um, have claimed some kind of superiority over the rest of us because they, they say so. Nah. We're going to go ahead and kick out of here a few minutes early. So I want to thank you for being here today, Bruce. I want to thank all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a fantastic evening. Mm-hmm.